What's up, everybody? Welcome to the eighth draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. Yes, we had a short little break there, but we are back. A little, little break, but we are back in regular rotation. My name is Matt Rohrbeck, one of your hosts, and I am joined by the wonderful Eric Marchand. Yes, we're back in the podcasting mood. Uh, Matt, you are still... Uh, a little under the weather, but mostly recovering now. You can hear it in your voice. You're a little phlegmy. You're Flemish. If yeah, you will. and you'll hear me. Not European, like, uh, but uh, yeah, clear my throat or or cough a little bit in this episode. Man, this thing took a toll out of me, and I feel like I was just sick too before we left for New York because right. I remember we delayed one of the episodes a little bit because I wasn't feeling so good before then. So I just feel like uh, right as fall slash some colder weather came by, which is flu season, I was just bam smacked. Uh, across the head with it and i'll get a a little bit more into detail when we go into uh our our new york trip but yes we're back from new york eric yes we survived barely we did we did that last day was touch Um, and go yeah man i'll I'll get into that but uh uh, thank you all for being patient um especially brandon yeah brandon for sure uh he is the most patient yeah we should send him a t-shirt oh man we have some posters if you want brandon for overlord but uh they're nice they're mondo we thank you for uh uh for uh, tweeting at us and, and wondering where the episode uh um, uh, was but we just took a, a week off after we got back from New York because I was on my deathbed basically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this will be our uh, New York spectacular. Me and uh, Eric went down to the New York Film Festival for Eric's thirtieth birthday, which Woo! we mentioned on uh, some previous podcasts. Uh, we are back in um, in Toronto now, and um, we didn't stop going to festivals. We've been to another festival since then, right. and we've been watching movies. So well, also also big big day or, or when you came back legalization of weed oh yeah marijuana is legal in canada now so these podcasts should get pretty interesting just kidding i'm not stoned um but yeah yeah, yeah weed is legal now which is weird yeah. so it was not legal before um, it smelled pretty dank this. on on the streets Dude, of the, toronto that and day it, the effect on movie theaters are going to be interesting I'd, I'd love if i still like worked at cineplex or something like that or maybe in their head office or something to see if concession sales spike right because i, I guarantee you i mean people used to smell smoke weed and go to the movies all the time anyway but you used to have to go like to the back of the building and not be seen right but now now you can hang out with the rest of the smokers well that's what i mean right outside the theater we left um we left overlord the other night um which we'll be talking about on next week's podcast smelled like the devil's lettuce (laughs) yeah it was dank and i feel like anytime you walk outside of a theater now in that smoking area it'll just be a bunch of people um getting stoned before the movie that they go see which right. is um which is cool i guess like um i think it's it's really really interesting and i'm not quite used to um just seeing people openly stand in the in the street and and, and smoke it or you'll smell it inside the theater yeah like it, you're used to smelling it at um, certain places like you can always smell it like at concerts yeah yeah but yeah like just i remember after seeing overlord and not just in the theater but like just walking down the street there were like pockets where you could smell it it was it also was friday wafting. night and yeah stuff too right so I think it'll be a little bit more on on the weekends, but I'll be fascinated to see if you'll smell it constantly outside of a movie theater because I feel like that is going to be a popular place to kind of uh, get stoned and, and go to. And, well, especially um, in March when the beach um, bump gets released. <laughs> yeah. um, I hope the press kit's just filled with weed. <laughs> 
Um, and then uh, we'll be talking about Overlord on next week's podcast. Um, we're embargoed a bit there, and um, we can we can talk about it, and and people can write about it, but it's only uh, capsule reviews and right. kind of so we'll a briefly short uh, touch on our thoughts on Overlord next week. Um, but this week's all about our trip to New York, uh, what we did down in New York, um, uh, kind of uh, me almost dying in New York. That's hyperbole, but I right. mean, it felt like I was. But you were to... really sick. That um, last that last day was uh, looking at you. You looked like hell run over i know so yeah um yeah this is the untitled movie podcast for those of you for joining us for the first time um it's a podcast where each and every week eric and i kind of get together and shoot the shit about movies uh you can get it on podcast services uh everywhere every monday at 9 a.m unless we are sick or yeah on together, our deathbed or or, or we have to vote right or, <laughs> or, or smoking copious amounts I, of weed apparently yeah, i will just give you an excuse when uh we can't be there on mondays at 9 a.m but you can find us on uh apple Podcasts, spotify uh google play and on untitledmoviepodcast.com uh eric what else is new man i mean we've seen a lot of each other but uh what yeah, have you been watching what uh, have you been well doing? I've, I've been watching some horror movies because it's uh october you and watched all of the haunting of hill house yes i did I, I i burned through that mike flanagan i can't believe i didn't realize it's 10 episodes and you watched it in one night you maniac well i started at like four or five and That's then still well horror for me is easy to digest yeah. it's like comedy where like if i get hooked by it i can just burn through it i'm just amazed that 10 hours is a lot right well i was up until like 5 a.m so that's cool though um, i mean i'm on episode uh so we don't we won't spoil anything but i just finished episode six which is the episode everyone's talking about too yeah and it's i think i know you're it's very impressive this single take like not the whole episode but the three large single takes or four well and also um, how I, I i think the editing is incredible in this I, we, we were talking about the editing in uh a, a bad times in the last episode but like the way that the story narratively intertwines past and present is really fascinating and structurally um a, a feat and you know mike flanagan deciding to sort of take shirley jackson's novel and sort of rework it and sort of update it and modernize it i think actually benefits the story to a modern audience or opens it up a little bit more because the original story is just like a group of paranormal investigators entering this haunted like house right? where yeah. this is more stephen king-esque like this is this is kind of like you know it got it. stephen king's it, blessing yeah too. i mean it's basically like it and, and also mike flanagan is working on uh, dr sleep right yeah. now um so it, it, it's and he just did Gerald, Gerald's game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and you should see that on Netflix Gerald's if you have, awesome. have not with yeah. Carla Gugino, who's who's in yes uh, that and Henry Thomas as yeah. well. Um, that's maybe the one thing that I'm not the biggest fan of in in the casting is that Henry Thomas, who's only 11 years older than Timothy Hutton. Timothy uh, Hutton plays like 30 years older. Right? Yeah, and yeah. it just I don't know who is he is Hutton playing older or is Elliot playing younger. Elliot being a reference to E.T. E.T. because it is the, the yeah. actor who played E.T. Uh, Henry Thomas, well, I guess he's playing younger or guess, maybe his yeah. age. They do look alike and right. sound alike or, or one of them. But they give, a... him, they give him contact lenses that are yeah. kind of weird, like these like bright blue contact lenses that almost look like he's possessed. And but I someone sure made a good point on off. Twitter of like they more so look like they could play like um, brothers. Or right. Like something Which like I, I think yeah. that's uh, – I, I totally uh, agree with that. But the thing that kind of really works 
works with this. But sorry to cut you off there. Yeah, the sure. one thing that I do like about that is that everyone is played by a different actor in in the two timelines. Right. So I feel like they could have aged up or de-aged one of the actors, but I feel like I like the idea that everyone is It's the problem I have with uh the ending of Harry Potter or a lot of um anyone in old age makeup or de-aged where I just I I'd prefer if you found two different actors right I get what you're saying that the age gap isn't quite enough to make sense there yeah I mean Henry Thomas still looks younger I guess just in terms of the way that they make Timothy Hutton sort of more weathered and 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 kind of he's 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 gone through a lot of issues over the years that you kind of see through the eyes of the characters and the perspectives but what I really love about the show is that you could take away the supernatural aspects the way that you could strip you know Oculus of its supernatural um, uh, allegories and it could still be a really great family drama drama, about trauma and abuse and and again like if you haven't read Shirley Jackson's novel you should and also you should read her short story The Lottery which uh, makes a brief cameo in the movie or in the TV series but yeah it's really good um, I'm I'm enjoying the show. Yeah, I'm I'm enjoying the shit out of it right now. I'm I'm watching it with Nevis, and um, she has her eyes covered like ninety percent of the time. There's but, a couple um, jump scares that really like they they come out of nowhere, think, and those are the yeah. ones I appreciate the most. Yeah, uh, kind of like that drag me to hell one. That's, yeah, um, well, I there's ha- one coming up that you'll is it you'll, okay? Yeah. I think I heard about it, so I was kind of spoiled uh, of. Now I know when to expect it, but um, Nevis won't. So I'm curious to see right. uh, her reaction because for the most part, the show does a good job of, of not throwing jump scares at you a lot. No. Like, like you said, it, it earns them or yeah. it, it feels like it's worth it when they do throw those at you. Cause I, but it does a very excellent job of just being creepy and, and psychological and, and inserting things into the background and, and letting you kind of there's there'll be times where you're watching a scene and it'll take you a couple moments to realize there's a fucking terrifying ghost just standing right. there in the background and that's what and, i wanted something like insidious to be like because right. it has mo- insidious the first insidious has moments like that but then it just it can't help itself but to, you know go cheap, back to right. be the the jump scares and the kind of campiness of it where this it's pretty subtle throughout and when the jump scares do occur they're earned and they work within sort of the framing of it yeah and each ghost i feel like um has its own personality too and i feel like they do a good job of of implementing of like when they show up and and when they're used utilized and when they're in the background or or i i really love the story structure in the first um five and six episodes um just uh kind of like what lost did i'll bring up lost all the time of focusing each episode on a different character so this is uh, each member of the family each kid right essentially gets their own episode with their own backstory uh in yeah mckenna first... grace is one of them as well um, who was in uh, uh i tanya yeah. one of the kids yeah um what I, I think also what is really tragic about the 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 series overall in terms of um the storyline is that this family was basically destroyed by this incident that occurs in the first uh, episode. And to like, if you have a close family, I think that that's a huge loss to sort of, you know, become more distant over the years and not really stay in touch and, and be close. And, and so seeing how this 
event in their lives was so traumatizing and horrible how that it affects them yeah and they like, basically yeah. left like they they left each other to their own devices one of them becomes a horrible drug addict um one of them is 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 going through depression and they're all basically on their own with the exception of two of the sisters and even they're very distant towards each other yeah i i really love the dynamic and and found it heartbreaking and um I uh, got really emotional during um, the Bent Neck Lady, which was um, the youngest daughter's. Uh, what, I forget their her name. L. Nell. Nell. Sorry. Nell. Yeah. Uh, Nell's backstory and um, leading up to what happens with Nell. Oh, that is that is and depressing. It's, it's so it's heartbreaking and and seeing her with her. Um, her falling in love and with her husband and everything. I don't want to give too much away, but. Um, that episode just really i was like fuck i wasn't expecting this show to like hit me as hard as it did in that episode and it builds up to uh, a fantastic episode six which is only just about halfway through the series and um i mean i still have four episodes to go um but i'll be curious to kind of talk about it a little bit with you in a couple weeks um, right um, maybe once I finish uh, to see what my final thoughts are. But uh, so far, I think it's one of Netflix's uh, better shows they've put out lately. Right, and well, especially as a genre um, show. Yeah. And also, again, like if you haven't seen um, Oculus, I would recommend seeing that before uh, before this mm-hmm. just to kind of get a context of what Mike Flanagan's style of filmmaking is like, especially with his, his narrative structure. Yeah, Oculus is great. Yeah. yeah. Um, I really, really enjoyed, and Gerald's game too. Yeah, because watch, because is... Oculus specifically kind of goes back and forth between past and present, and you have these these siblings going through something, trying to you know find, reach their own catharsis, and watching them go through that, and sort of reflecting on their past or remembering, oh, this is the reason why you know I, I remember things like this, and how perspective changes, and you know how time can play can haunt us all in some way or another and, and plays tricks on us so it's really worth seeing and i'm glad that you and nevis are watching it and i hope more people do catch right. on to it it seems to be doing and well. even for people who don't love horror like it is terrifying and it is um very eerie and, and creepy but like you mentioned there is a great family drama well all the and, stuff with nell is, is i mean most of the stuff that works is the emotional stuff there's yeah. not a lot of horror and the yeah. horror that hits you is a great kind of twist but you could remove that and you could still have a great drama. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's elevated horror at its finest. Yeah, it is. Um, the other shout out I wanted to give to Mike Flanagan, he's used um, some Twin Peaks actors in his last two projects because he had um, uh, Red Room, the giant um, in, right, right, in right. Gerald's game. And it wasn't Russ Tamlin in, in, in uh, uh, what's his name? The doctor from Twin Dr. Peaks? Dr. Jacoby. Yeah, wasn't he the psychiatrist? Yes. In this? Yes. So yeah. I just wanted to give a shout out to that because I was, I was like, oh yeah, nice. More Twin Peaks actors. Um, yeah, I'm enjoying the shit out of it. Um, what else have I been watching? Oh God, I don't know. I um, just been, I tried to watch Daredevil. And right. Just Season like, three. Just don't care. Um, don't devil. And as, as we've seen in, in some of the news that, Netflix seems to be going. Oh, the streaming service is coming up from Disney. Maybe we should just uh, pull the plug. Pull the plug on a lot of these. Uh, I feel like you'll hear that they'll all be canceled soon. Right. Um, and do you think that they'll come back on the Disney streaming services or be rebooted in some way? I wouldn't be surprised if uh, they all died in the dusting and don't come back, or maybe they reboot them down the right. line or, or something like that. I'm surprised um, Punisher hasn't been canceled yet. 
Right. Well, it had I that thought it would have been season. the first one. I think the first season did okay, but I never finished it. With right. every Marvel series except for da- Daredevil, I've gotten about four or five episodes in, and then I'm like, I'm good. These need to be like, I think we talked about it before, where they should be like almost uh, the Sherlock style of like. Yeah, 90 maybe, minute, three episodes, yeah, or just parts. Yeah, or even be like a, an anthology series where one episode is focused on a different character or something like that. Because I feel like fucking 13 episodes. Um, with a lot of this is just way too much, and like, well, there's a lot of exposition and there's a lot of plot. The, the beginning of Daredevil season three, it was like forty minutes in, and I'm like, nothing has happened. He's just injured, and he's sitting in a church, and he's trying to get his powers back, and everyone thinks he's dead, and he's just talking to a priest, and I'm just like, kind of sounds I, like what the first season was. Yeah, it, well, and then Kingpin's back for this, so it's basically just a rehash of the first season. And I like Vincent D'Onofrio, and I like his portrayal of of Kingpin, um, but I again, I would just prefer if. A Daredevil could have been cool if, if Marvel would have taken it seriously and, and done a, a film like in Marvel Studios, right? Um, that could have intersected with Spider Man and, and and things like that. But well, I maybe just, they will down the line now since yeah. if they're pulling the plug on these things and canceling the yeah. show. So it's Luke Cage and Iron Fist have been canceled, yeah. but uh, Jessica Jones and Daredevil still are currently going. Yeah, I, I thought Jessica Jones was canceled too, wasn't it? I, Maybe? I thought it was I, Jessica Jones and Luke Cage. I thought it was Iron Fist. And Iron Fist. Or maybe so, Jessica Jones hasn't been canceled. I don't think so. I'm sure it will be. Um, so anyways, that's why I tried to watch that. And then um, and that's about it, man. But we've both been watching the Rocky series. We something, have. Something we've been trying to commit to on the show is uh, each week reviewing a Rocky film. Um, to the lead up to Creed 2. To Creed 2. So uh, we've previously reviewed Rocky 1 and 2. Yep. Uh, we're about a week behind now. So we're going to have to double up. So I think... How the schedule is going to go is right now we're going to talk about Rocky 3, and then next week we'll talk about Rocky 4, and then we'll briefly mention Rocky 5. Which at this um, moment I have watched, and I'm so mad at you because you have yet. only you have not finished it. it. And I, so. I mean, I told you it was awful, but like... Yeah. So I, I just got so bored halfway because I watched it immediately after Rocky. That was my problem. I right. watched it immediately. Like I put it on the second Rocky Four ended, and you, you I need was some. Like, it was you too need much. some space. Yeah, so Rocky I'll, Four is a mo- like you need to digest that. Yeah, so I'll finish it, and um, we'll talk about that and Rocky Balboa in a couple weeks as well. Uh, so yeah, let's kick it off with a uh, a review of uh, Rocky Three. Yeah, Eric, do you want to give uh, people a recap? Yeah, or, sure, or a, or a montage. Yeah, a montage. Well, Matt, do you have the Eye of the Tiger? You know it. All right. So Rocky Three. we are now um, in the 80s. Uh, after Rocky Two. Rocky now is the champ. Um, he's become a celebrity. You know, the people love him. He's, he's Philadelphia's golden boy. He has a statue, you know, erected after him, if you will. And uh, uh, he's, he's become literally more of Sylvester Stallone than he is Rocky as, as kind of that movie star persona. Um, and at the beginning of, of this, uh, you get to see him fight, uh, Thunderlips, a.k.a. Hulk Hogan, oh, uh, in a boxing Versus exhibition wrestling, wrestling match. match where it, you know, it's, it's staged as though they're enemies, but behind the scenes they're, they're friends because they take a Polaroid afterwards. Um, but it's, it's weird because Polly actually brings out the chair and, and, and hits, uh, well, it's, the it, Hulkster. What's funny about that is that they almost took wrestling like it was a real thing. Right. <laughs> like it was pitting an actual wrestler again, instead of it being sports entertainment, which everyone, um, knows it is. But back then maybe, um, 
uh, it was treated a little bit differently than it is now, but it was it was just uh, funny to me and a very over the top uh, reference to another right. Stallone movie <laughs> um, of just uh, of having this boxer and this wrestler and it be taken seriously with everyone. And, right. Um, it was it was just so ridiculous, but yeah. Well, the actual like just the size of of Hulk Hogan versus Stallone because Stallone's a small little guy. He's a lean guy. Yeah, yeah. but but. The, the Hulkster looks huge in comparison. I think which, they intentionally made him look yeah, that way, too. Yeah, um, and menacing. But yeah, I thought you would like that quite a bit. Just oh, it was like fun, early, yeah. Early 80s wrestling. It was just and... ridiculous and, like, <laughs> stupid. But, like, it was fun. It just, like, everyone's, like, worried for Rocky. And, right, like, right. And stuff. I'm like, I'm like, Rocky what? can't beat him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh so sort of the main kind of um, conflict of this one is that, you know, Rocky is now at the top... Um, and nobody's challenging him except Mr. T, uh, pre-A-Team a- uh, DC Cab, uh, Mr. T, who plays Clever Lang. Just some kind of guy off the streets who, you know, during the uh, statue ceremony says, you know, some der- some derogatory things towards uh, um, Adrian, Adrian yeah. and sort of says like, oh, well, I challenge you. And, and so that leads to a matchup where... Uh, unfortunately, um, things go horribly wrong for the champ, and that leaves him to kind of reel after the situation. And and Mickey uh, dies in the locker room, oh, even right. though they could have gotten him to the hospital. <laughs> yeah, beforehand. that was ridiculous too. Is like Mickey has a heart attack. I yes. guess right, right before Rocky's supposed to go out to fight. I can't uh, take it no more, Rock Clubber. <laughs> and then. Uh, and it's funny they're all just like and then he's like no you gotta go rock he's, and then um and he's like slobbering on himself and they're like oh, get him some help get him where's the doctor and i'm just like why the fuck is no one calling 911 or bringing, right. or putting him in a car and driving him there and then rocky goes out and fights um clubber lang loses right horribly then, yeah, yeah gets his ass whooped and come back and he's still there and i'm like why is no and he's still alive right and i was like why has no one brought him to the hospital he and would then, have been like realistically he would have been gone by then like they would have they would have taken gone him to the hospital dead or to dead the hospital. or to the hospital <laughs> yeah. either or yeah i know because then he dies in front of rock as right Rock's holding him of yeah. course um but um spoilers well everyone knows we're going to be spoiling these movies but um uh yeah, that was um, a little silly. Yeah, but uh, but I guess it's the emotional uh, crux of this movie, as we know when we talk about Rocky Four next week, we'll know what that one is too. There's always got to be something that Rocky's right. It just can't all back. be montages. It's got to be something that brings them back to have more brain damage. Right. Well, it's 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 a way of getting you to root for him again yeah. because I mean the first two movies are a perfect hook because. You root for him. He's the underdog. Mm-hmm. Here but he's not anymore. Top, right? And yeah, and and so you can't really sympathize with him being like, oh, you know, this successful white male in the 1980s. a fight. Like, yeah. You need something else. Yeah. So you need, you know, the loss of, of, of a mentor, a friend, somebody that was close to him and that – I mean, Burgess Meredith is is such a big component of that series, so that loss has is meaningful in some ways, manipulative but meaningful, um, and sort of this leads uh, Rocky to uh, confide and uh, 
train with Apollo Creed of all people, who takes him under his wing and says, "You got to have the or eye of the his tiger." Thighs. Yes, his thunder thighs. Um, who takes him under uh, his his thunder thighs to train him in Los Angeles, and this leads to one of the great manly erotic. Um, sequences and training that you could ever watch in a movie that seems to really be focused on both Carl Weathers and Sylvester Stallone's thighs and crotch <laughs> It's region, amazing. Especially when they're running on the <laughs> beach <motion>. together. <laughs> I don't know whose idea it was if it was if, if it was Stallone and Weathers being like, we've worked fucking hard on these fucking thighs and I want them to be glistening and a close-up of my package with these fucking thighs just glistening in the sun running through water and the sand and i i just it was it, and it's again scored to survivors eye of the tiger yeah it's amazing and they're just running on the beach and like i, I literally laughed out loud because it's just <laughs> a full shot of just his dick area and his thighs and i was like oh my god and they cut back to it like four times even at the end when like, like he he outpaces uh when rocky outpaces yeah, apollo yeah. and they hug each other in the in the and water, the water oh, and, that's and, the, like a, and the waves are a crashing meme and stuff yeah right, of like them hugging and splashing each other in the water it's very homoerotic right, but yes. it's amazing it's and it's just, also probably the most interesting aspect of this film because when they become best friends yeah like, especially for apollo's arc because now you're seeing apollo who goes from champ to trainer yeah. but also he gets more to do as a character and and becomes more interesting and just not you know kind of a bit of a goofy kind of showman mm -hmm. um and i really like that quite a bit and and again i think it also brings rocky down to earth a little more because when you know apollo takes him to his gym and shows him and adrian uh, around it's kind of like they almost feel like they're like a, a cut above now but yeah. like before this would have been like where that rocky hangs Philly, out right yeah. yeah like um and we'll see that in rocky five yeah back, back to the streets take it back uh, yeah so um no that that whole training montage and and you put it perfectly where these movies just kind of become a series of montages mixed right. with like old footage and like scored to the ridiculous I, like, I would love to see one of these scripts and see how much of like the actual original you know content is there for them to shoot in in terms of production or do you think they were in the back and they're like fuck we we need we need to pad this thing to an hour and a half man Probably. A montage. <laughs> can we just recap everything again and we'll be talking about this more next week with rocky four but it, yeah like i i would be curious if any of this montage or editing made it into the shooting script or if it was all just like what they had where they're like hey this would work if we recapped everything yeah exactly <laughs> exactly just to remind people because you know maybe like rocky's been hitting the head too many times right. and it's like oh we got to remind people if they feel like they've been bombarded and by I, macho machismo yeah uh, erotica <laughs> <laughs> i feel like maybe that worked better when you had big gaps in between these movies and yeah because like, they did take and, time between the yeah. films so when you're watching them one after another either weekly or sometimes back to back you're like jesus christ <laughs> i feel like i'm fucking watching this the, like 90 percent of the other movie i just watched so yeah and and then basically the third act of the film is a is a rematch between him and mr t and surprise he wins yeah, yeah. um to be honest i like mr t from the a-team so, and dc <laughs> cab but I don't think Clever Lang is that interesting as oh, a, no. as an antagonist. He's just uh, he's just the shittier Apollo Creed. Yeah, and he just and, sneers a lot. Yeah, like, <laughs> um, yeah. It's it's 
what's funny about the rocky movies is like okay rocky happened okay rocky 2 was basically a remake of rocky 1 right okay rocky 3 basically a remake of rocky 1 and 2 right and Um, just with a new song that basically is the most memorable part and and again the montage between carl weathers and and sly stallone which i think is the again the best thing of the film their camaraderie is is probably the best part yeah there's always going to be a training montage there's always going to be a uh, an epic 15 round battle or whatever the hell um, um or at least one of them um, yeah if not i two. wish they mentioned it's like it's clobbering time yeah clubber lang <laughs> um but yeah mr t's kind of boring when it comes to being um the villain i mean yeah um, i mean he's not in it too much either so yeah. but when he is like when you get like his perspective of like him looking in the newspaper and or watching tv and seeing like you know rocky there and him being jealous like there's no reason for him to be like that angry towards him like there was no setup to that right he was just jealous that yeah rocky came from nowhere and, and ended up beating and he just thinks he's tougher than rocky right, right? like that's it and then also rocky, which is just boxing i, I, I don't yeah you and, and i don't than... think rocky would have really reacted the way he did he didn't at, insult his wife but even then like <laughs> we'll look at like the way that apollo uh, you know uh insulted him with with in rocky 2 right like he always seemed to brush it off like he seemed like one of those guys that kind of was very mellow about anything and be like, hey, yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. he's a good fighter yeah, yeah. um but well, his character kind of changes and eventually I because think, it be- he becomes to... Stallone and his yeah. ego gets bigger did we talk about is it in this one when he starts to do like the um advertisements and things that like was that? two that was that two yeah okay see they all seem to blur together yeah, after a while they do they really do it's like one long montage yeah um someone really maybe that should be an editing project for for me in the future of just editing all of the rocky movies into one long montage right someone's got to have done that already i'm sure um but yeah, I, I mean, again, it's weird with these movies that they are pretty much the same movie over and over and over again. But it's a winning formula in, yeah. in a way. Um, like you always yeah. kind of enjoy nice pun. Yeah, watching them and 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 sort of rooting for the character and. Rocky's a likable guy. Yeah, too. but like, it's um, but it's also it's also going to be interesting talking about it once we get to four how far away you know the first rocky is compared to four where the first one is very grounded it's down to earth it feels like it takes place in the real world and then like when you get to four it really is it's like a cartoon well it's the 1980s yeah. and it's, Which is it's a cartoon <laughs> yeah exactly and 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 again like stallone at this point in his career was one of the biggest movie stars in the world and it feels like it's more of him coming through these movies than it is uh, the the character of Rocky until we get to Balboa, yeah, and then it kind of gets back to where it um where it uh, even though five is trying to get back to where yeah it started, I mean they but, even bring John yeah. G Advilson back to the to direct yeah. but oh we'll, we'll god that did we'll not get, work we'll get there uh, overall I still enjoyed Rocky three I did too like, it's, it's cheesy it's, it's fun just for the training montage with um carl weathers it is, is the best is like oh and it. the ending so the ending oh, yeah. i love the most because the reason why apollo decides to train rocky is because they want to go mono e mono with each other and just see if they can go the distance or see if apollo can win on his own terms and i love that final scene when they're in like the uh, when they're tr- the in training the training ring. room yeah. and um he's just like uh I didn't hear no bell, and Carl is like ding ding, and then it yeah. just goes. It cuts to the song again. And then they, and... they do that double punch, yeah, and then a freeze frame. Oh, yeah. I love it's it! Great. I no, love it's, it. It's really really good. Um, yeah, I'm enjoying because again, I I think I'd 
again, they all blur together, and I'm like, I'm not even sure which Rocky movies I actually did see as a kid. Right. Um, I'm like, I don't know. I think I saw the first one, and then, like... Um, or you saw one of the others that had footage I, from um, the first yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. Or maybe I just literally did see a montage of all of them, because, like, I knew all of the aspects. Like, I, I knew of the Hulk Hogan thing, and the Mr. T thing, and the Drago thing, and the next one, and 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 mostly all of it, but uh, I just don't remember sitting down and, like, watching them all, but I, right. I, I might have. I had some friends in high school that were huge huge rocky fans and uh those are the the guys that i went and saw uh rocky balboa with when it came out in 2006 Six. um and i was working at the movie theater when it when it came out so i remember um it's yeah yeah well i didn't i the, the one thing i always forgot when i was when i would always rewatch these movies is the the rocky statue doesn't come up until three i always thought it was the second movie or right. it was earlier like it always felt earlier to me because i mean it's still there in philly like yeah, you it's can legit still, there right? yeah yeah um, and i could see like a younger person like somebody that doesn't know that it's a movie thinking it's a real person a real boxer yeah, yeah. um but no i uh uh enjoyed it and um we'll talk about uh rocky four uh, oh yeah oh we week. will so if you were to rank them right now where would you have them i, I mean rocky I, I just one. just in, just in chronological one, two, order yeah. yeah they get slow they're like pretty yeah. much the same but they... ask me that question again next week yes yes okay uh all right moving on um let's go into our new york trip man yes um so uh yeah uh the last time we talked everyone we reviewed uh bad times at the el royale we were literally i think one day re- that day we, we yeah we we after <laughs> recording uh that show and and uploading it we literally packed our bags i mean we packed before obviously but then left on a bus to new york and uh arrived there on october the 8th and yes. uh, we were exhausted um, so let's start there um yeah we recorded we uh headed over to um for those of you that don't know we took the bus yes because um we are poor film critics right uh no i mean uh, looking back on it it's, you've it's done funny. it before too. i've done the bus before and every time i do the bus i go i am never taking the bus again right and then i go to plan a trip to new york and i'm like i could save 150 or 200 dollars if i take the bus yeah and then i go you know what? it's not that bad and then um then i take the bus and then i go Fuck, I should have flown. Um, I mean, I think there's pros and cons to both. Like, what I like about the bus is that you can literally do an overnight, so you save on like a, a night in, so you're saving even more money because you're saving a night in a hotel or right. something like that. Um, although you could have just flown the next morning um, to New York and gotten there about the same time, and it'd only be an hour and a half instead of eleven. Um, but then when you go to the airport, you you uh, you I hate like just having to get there early and go through security. And then the airports in New York with LaGuardia and JFK are, are, um, you'd have to get into Manhattan after and like that's a pain in the ass or even you can fly into Newark and take the train in from New Jersey. So the, the bus dropped us off literally a block away from our hotel. Right. Which was um, nice. Right in downtown Manhattan. So, um, what were you like? We'll start at the bus. How was it? Like, um, would you? Well, I turned thirty, Matt. Yeah, and uh, I, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. Like, it's, it's a young person's. It's a young person's game. Yeah. I think after this, I appreciated the experience. I'm glad I had it. <laughs> yeah, but my joints, my joints your... could not. <laughs> I'm sorry, I ruined it, man. <laughs> no, no, it's all, it's all. Dude, good. I went back and forth of planning because, like, I planned I felt really it bad like... for you the last oh, day. We'll get be... to that point, but um, the way there, I actually thought was okay, like... with the exception of that it was. So we booked tickets for Greyhound, and we got tickets for what was it? The... New York uh, 
trailways or yeah something. which looked like, like something out of like, cross-country canada um, the video in the game, 1970s the PC game. yeah or 1980s 1970s the bus was a tad older uh, although we got a greyhound bus on the way back yeah. and i felt like the leg room was better in the old bus i agree um and like so it was weird it was like a weird trade-off and the outlets were better in the old bus and yeah then, because like, you would stick the outlet you yeah. would stick your your charger into the 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 seat and, and the greyhounds and it would just it fall just, it would fall out the bus is just a nightmare yeah <laughs> like i i yeah it is a young person's game where you're like fuck i'll just do it like but if then, you're in your in your early 20s and oh you're God, going yeah. to new york do it 100 percent. yeah if you're in your like yeah even late teens early 20s and you're going to new york for the first time and you want a cheap way of getting there do the overnight bus because you can if you are someone who can sleep like it with a neck pillow on like sitting upright um it's okay. It's not the greatest, but like it's kind of. I like road trips too, where you stop at like truck stops and stuff like that. Like there's a McDonald's you stop. We had at some chicken nuggets at like three in the morning, <laughs> like <laughs> on your birthday. That's how it's and, done. Um, so we ate some McNuggets, and I got sleep. Like I got a decent amount of sleep on the way there, but it's one of those shitty sleeps where you're like in and out of consciousness. Yeah, and way. sometimes if you startle easily, you oh, yeah. can your head bobs yeah. and it wakes you up, right? So, we made it though. We uh we made it there. We got there around 6:37 in the morning on yeah. the Monday on your birthday, which was Canadian Thanksgiving or Christopher Columbus Day um, right. in uh in New York. Um, maybe a problematic holiday yeah, for the US. Bit. I don't think it was really like I didn't there was like a weird parade that was happening but we didn't really see it looked pretty half-assed so we uh we stayed at the pod hotel we had some sick bunk beds yeah it kind of reminded Um, me of like a dorm room it was but like a high-end dorm room like it 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 was a very nice hotel it had the amenities it it it, it was all up to date like i don't mean like it was like a a slob kind of place but it felt like it was very small like i could i could also assume you know this is what somebody lives in paying rent <laughs> in new york um so very small room basically there's a bathroom and a uh this is what the listeners want an right. explanation no of i think this beds. is good though to kind of set go the through mood. the whole trip yeah, yeah. right so um then there were bunk beds which i haven't slept in bunk beds in the longest time but the bed was decent the room was like you're not going to spend that much time in your room anyway no. and it, it was a decent price for new york and like if you're going with one other person it's um who's not your significant other or someone you would share a bed with not that I'm against sharing a bed with you. Right. Um, but it, it was perfectly um, decent. Like, it was clean. The, the like, beds were somewhat comfortable. Um, yeah, the you, only problem I really had or I would complain about is that the sink was clogged. Right, which happens at right. fucking places all the time. But, but I, I, and if, you, if there's going to be something wrong, maybe yeah. that's the best thing to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, it wasn't. I didn't feel dirty or anything. So, um, luckily, we were able to check in really early. They gave us a room at like seven, so yeah. we, were, we were able to kind of relax for a little bit after that bus, and then um, we kind of chilled for an hour or two, and then we uh, explored New York. Um, yeah, we we kind of did Times Square. Uh, we walked around Midtown for for the most part to sort of like take it all in because this is rock, the first. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. this is the first time that I had ever been there, and I mean the thing that you you notice right away one is that it's. It is always busy. Like there's never, especially in uh, Manhattan and Midtown, oh, t- Times Square. And, and Times Square. Sure, yeah. um, it's very touristy, um, but also it does make a place like Toronto look very insignificant in comparison. And sort and of very what, clean, very clean, very clean. <laughs> Toronto although, clean. Although New I York... will, I will say that I was 
a little bit surprised that it wasn't as dirty in the metro in the, uh, subway. In, in the subway system. People build up the yeah, because you always uh, think of like in the movies, like there's going to be like puddles of urine yeah, and rats like, crawling those, all like over the place in the seventies and eighties. Yeah, and graffiti yeah. on yeah. all the yeah. But but I mean, it, it still was dirty. It was still. It oh, was I saw more... the first subway we went into. I saw a giant ass rat, and I was like, "Fuck yeah, we're in New York." I would say that the the most dirtiest thing though was so was, cliche, was but... the the city streets, like yeah. seeing all the garbage yeah. sort of piled on the streets yeah and you can barely uh, keep up with it and it's it's not like if you've never been there it's not like disgusting it's just surprising i guess too when we come from a city that is similar to new york but we have it's trying to emulate it yeah and we have a significantly smaller population population. so we're able to kind of keep it uh, a little bit cleaner than right. new york and so you get the wafts of smells or or the the piles of garbage or or well, things like that and, and but it's like, really strong coming from the subways because yeah. like it feels like there's this like you said wafting and when you oh the go, subways smell like piss oh yeah it's um, awful like it's it's it just the worst smells like piss but like again the subways aren't that bad they're actually relatively clean now but and easy to navigate and um yeah i mean you their subway service is great luckily you did most of the navigating there and i appreciate that because i wouldn't know where i was going um but yeah so so taking that all in we we decided hey you know what one of the our our main destinations for this trip was going to the draft house in brooklyn so we decided to go uh take the subway over to brooklyn which i'd never done so i stayed in long island city once which was close ish to brooklyn um but i'd never been to brooklyn and yeah one of the main things we wanted to do we've talked about for a long time is check out the alamo draft house like cinema chain and and they recently opened a theater in brooklyn um excuse me um i mean most of for those of you that know that most of their chains are in in texas and they've opened a a couple in california and a, a couple places around the u.s and we've talked about wanting one here for the longest time um so we decided to go see Venom at right. Alamo Draft House. So Venom, Venom, um, Venom. It was cool. We explored Brooklyn a little bit and then we found where the the Draft House was and we went to uh we explored the Target in that plaza. Target. And that, it reminded me of Young and Dundas, uh Cineplex that right. in the sense of the location or where the theater was, not necessarily. Well, even just the, the escalators cinema. having to it was like continually the, go so up. It's all built the, up on itself. Yeah, imagine it being in kind of a little shopping plaza, and it's on the top floor, so you have to take four floors up, and um, and we, then it's even separated. So the first floor yeah. is the lobby, gift shop, and and they have like a, a bar, kind of tiki uh, yeah, bar I situation. Yeah, uh, the uh, House of Wax yeah. is what the bar's called, and it was closed, so we didn't get to check that out. But uh, we checked out; they had some records. And some t-shirts and some blu-rays that they have for sale and um some kiosks we talked to a and posters uh, and record albums yeah, like mondo stuff over. and my and, favorite was seeing the uh they had a poster for i think it was an italian poster for the roger corman produced movie carnosaur yeah they have a lot of awesome vintage posters all around the uh, so we explored a little bit um you got your free birthday movie which was i cool. sure did it was venom um, it was venom um they didn't even id you i should have said it was my birthday too um so you saved a bit of money on the ticket. We grabbed our tickets. We still had some time to kill. Um, and basically, they let you uh, be seated a half an hour before the movie. For right. 45 minutes, a half hour. Yeah, and because um, it was a holiday, they were showing kids PBS yeah. uh, education uh, entertainment so they said they had a, sold out like 100 children in the theater right before us, so it took them a bit longer to clean. But uh, we hung out for a while, looked at some candy in, in Target. I was like, yes, Butterfinger. And... Um, 
for Halloween candies and stuff like that. And then, all the stuff that you can't get in Canada. Well, we can get Butterfingers, but I, they have so many different types of Butterfinger. They have right. like Butterfinger cups and Butterfinger fingers and Butterfinger everything. I love Butterfinger. Um, so then uh, we went to the theater. It was finally opened. Um, we picked... Uh, I made sure to ask the lovely young lady who was working the counter of which row had the best leg room. Right. <laughs> um, and she's like, this is the best row because there's no one in front of you. It's like midway through the theater and um, there's, there's, and it seemed like a lot of people were in that, in that, in that row. row yeah. yeah. It was a great row. Um, so we took our seats. We kind of, uh, a guy came out and explained how it worked and we looked through the menus and, Basically, we their pre-show was it, it was interesting. It was um, a lot of YouTube stuff. Yeah, and it's all um, curated for the that film. movie. So each film has its own pre-show, which is I think they utilize a mix of YouTube clips and and different things to kind of. So this was all Venom content yes. before the movie. Um, so a lot of like meme stuff and um, and and YouTube uh, videos, and then. We looked through the menu. Um, they had a brunch menu as well as a full menu. And usually I would I would get a drink or something. But again, we didn't sleep barely any that night. And it was like at 11 a.m. that we went to see the movie. Yeah. Um, sorry, my chair's creaky. Um, so, yeah, we ordered some food. So I ordered um, a cold brew coffee. And then I also ordered uh, a bowl of truffle Parmesan popcorn. Which and not just any to. kind of bowl. You'll, yeah, I'll get back to that when we get to the food. And then I also ordered these. Man, I want to actually bring up what the, the menu? hell that mine. Because we both ordered chicken wings. So yes. Here's the, the caveat. You ordered a milkshake, correct? Yes, I ordered a, like a cookie dough oh, yeah? milkshake, which was great. I didn't even know what uh, And fried pickles, and then also... Um, uh, Spicy wings. Yeah, you had uh, spicy buffalo wings. Yes. And I got a different kind of wing that was like, um, I'm going to pull it up right now. So I ordered a cold brew, chicken wings, and this bowl of truffle parmesan popcorn. So we're hanging out. Uh, we ordered our food. Oh, um, and water, too. And, and waters. You know, because um, pace yourself. Oh, you got to. Um, <laughs> so it was interesting. You, you basically write down your order on a card. And then put that card in this little slot. Yeah, so they up can see, so they can grab so it. So they can see that you're ready to order. And then basically they just input it and someone brings it out to you. So unlike like the VIP theaters here and things like that, where you just order pre during the pre-show. and You can order throughout the, the show. Yeah, which uh, we'll get to that. But like um, it was just – I think they have a very clever ordering system to try not to disturb people of like writing down what you want. You just put it up and someone grabs it and they run away and, and bring it to you later. Um, I think there are some things that I don't love about the whole thing, but um, yeah, we hung out. They brought us this. So the first thing they bring out is our drinks, which are your milkshakes. Delicious. You said, and yeah, my good. cold brew is a, a delicious cold brew expensive, but, um, but Nonetheless, it was delicious. And then they bring me out this fucking bowl of Parmesan, truffle Parmesan popcorn, which sounds delicious. It was, was delicious. But imagine um, if you ever were, were like baking with your mom as a kid or something and she was baking a cake or something and she had this giant silver mixing bowl where you would put all of your ingredients in to mix. So just imagine one of those giant fucking mixing bowls filled with truffle parmesan popcorn it was for like, one person for, well i mean i guess it could be for however many usually two right. because you're sharing a table with someone but, but that's one serving that is one serving and you can get refills i think you have to pay for the refill but um it's a little bit cheaper god how could you even but get a refill? it was like 
imagine three or four large bags of popcorn. Yeah. Like, or Cineplex Like, that was made popcorn. for four people, at I least. Have, I have no idea how anyone could eat that much popcorn. Right. I, mean, I thought it was going to be like a And a it took up bowl. half of the table. You know, you get a popcorn bowl at home. It's like a medium-sized bowl that fits like a bag of microwave popcorn or something like that. That's like a, a modest size. Right. But this f- would feed a uh, a family of six. Yeah. Like, and that would be your dinner. And it was like, it's just covered in this truffle oil and this Parmesan cheese. And it, it's like... It truly it's was America in a bowl. It was very decadent. <laughs> It in and you the the weird thing about it being being so large is that i feel like you couldn't eat that much because it was just so rich right and so well because also you ordered other things right <laughs> i mean we were mentioning like if you just got that and some booze like that's probably an ideal thing right and i but i still don't think you could even get through all like like we both were trying to you know make a little bit of a dent in in that popcorn and we didn't even get maybe halfway through we took like the top layer off yeah like because they don't fill it just up to the top it like mountains over it yeah and um i was amazed it was delicious and i think if i ever went back i would maybe get that and uh, some drinks like right. uh, not to say that my food was bad but um like you didn't love your food no right? i well i like the i like the fried pickles um i like the sauce on on the wings the but the wings sauce. themselves I think they were either deep fried too long and they were just kind of completely dried out and crispy (laughs) and it just didn't have any real flavor to it. And it just kind of felt like I was just trying to like chew on bubble gum throughout the movie. Oh, really? So, uh, you know, watching the – I mean, again, it's, it's, it's not the kind of movie where, you know, you need to completely invest yourself in the film. Like if if any movie experience I were to have this with, I'm happy it was Venom because Venom right. is, is spoiler alert, a turd in the wind. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the biggest problem I think I had with um, the overall experience is that one, I think some of the food can be like, I, I was nervous of spilling stuff. I mean, and also the smells, I think yeah. the smells are very strong and they do linger uh, at long after you've eaten them. Like I was actually nervous. For, I was kind of like, Oh, or the, is the couple sitting next to me going to like be offended by like this, like wafting, you know, no, uh, spicy know Buffalo. They know what smell. they're getting into. Right. Right. Um, so I don't think so. Um, but I get what you're saying. Like, um, it very much is an experience that you. I don't think I would have watching you. You brought perfectly, like if Beale Street could talk, or, right? Or, because it's also distracting because you're focused on eating and not watching. You're the looking movie. down, like yeah. when, especially when you're having chicken wings or something like that. Um, you're looking down and making sure you're not you're not spilling on yourself or or you're eating it properly and things like that. Um, but I get what you're saying. So I got the Berber wings or berberry wings which were chicken wings seasoned with an ethiopian spice uh with roasted onions and a yogurt that sounds good um dude they were actually really good like um uh, i don't they i was disappointed that yours sucked because mine were actually quite good um and and different and um so i enjoyed the shit out of my wings the popcorn was delicious um my cold brew was good but that being said i'm kind of with you that um I prefer just to have that experience without maybe the um, full service meal. Right. I think if you just have alcohol 
and maybe some snacks like the popcorn like some gourmet snacks but not necessarily like a full dinner like knife and fork meal i feel like you might have a better experience because i think they do a great job at presentation i think their theaters are beautiful uh proper masking great uh, sound great sound great picture mm-hmm. um you can tell they really actually it's people who care about the presentation and the experience that are running these these theaters but which is always what i heard from people they do their um, best to also make sure like the the people that are on staff when they're taking other orders they try to keep ducked down as they, much as possible yeah. but it is noticeable at times though as well yeah uh they definitely run in and will grab your order cards if you order throughout the movie and will bring discreetly the cookies or, or popcorn or whatever they're bringing other people um so i wasn't so much bothered by any of that like it was a little distracting but again i it, i would choose wisely what i was going to see and when i was going to see it at a draft house theater and i i get why some people would love it but that's maybe just not for me or you like, right that's I'm, why i don't really frequent vip at, at cineplex um yeah that often and not i like the idea of paying a premium to watch films with people who actually care about or respect Probably, the like, experience of yeah. watching a movie and not just using it as a not distraction, just pretentious or anything, or entitled, right? But, like, um, but you, but you, when you go to a screening of like, like, okay, for example, Halloween, like you're gonna get a lot of kids that are gonna be there. They're gonna pull out their phones when they're bored, when talk they're to each talk, other, yeah. and it's used as as a babysitter or a time killer. Yeah, and, they're just going for a fright fest on a. But Friday it's not just kids either. either. It's it's adults as oh, well yeah. because there's a lot of um, adults that do ages. that as well, right? <laughs> so everyone's capable of that. But when you go to the light box and see a movie. Unless it's a promo screening where you'll get a variety of people, but they don't have as many promo screenings anymore, um, you actually have an experience where people are respectful to each other and to the movie and the filmmaker, mm-hmm. no. which I think is important. And I think for the most part, you you would get that at Draft House, um, especially with their strict no talking and no... Um, texting or phone use policy and you have to be there and before the movie begins or they won't let you yeah. in and and but they will um, give you a refund which i think is great it's great or yeah they'll give you a refund or give you a rain check and, and i think that's excellent and again there was a um they don't allow anyone under 19 unless you're accompanied by an adult on any movie um so there was a young um kid and um and his mom that were sitting beside me that did talk a bit more than i probably would have liked but again i realized what movie i was seeing and um and just was like you know what i'm not gonna be an asshole even though i feel like you could discreetly write because what they say is you can write on your order card if you want to complain about someone or tell them like to go tell someone to turn off their phone they'll give you one warning and then that's it um but i was like that's not worth it like she's just asking him about what he wants to eat and 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 he was talking a little bit about the movie so i wasn't going to be an asshole there um so there was a little bit of talking during the movie but for the most part people are pretty good about it at least in our screening that was at 11 a.m on a monday right (laughs) holiday monday but yeah um but yeah I, i i enjoyed my experience and i feel like if they had one uh, other than the movie, which we'll talk about in a For second. For film lovers, it's um, definitely worth 
having and I would and put it in my rotation of, yes. of theaters that I I would go to because like I have my favorite theaters in Toronto, which obviously are Lightbox, but Lightbox is mostly a uh, uh, they show older films with the odd um, new release, um, which are usually foreign Net- language or Netflix or, or... Netflix or independent based mm-hmm. productions, which are great, but. The best kind of movie I think to see at Draft House would be something like, you know, Hunter Killer is coming yeah, up in a exactly. couple of weeks where you don't necessarily have to focus too much on the plot or, or you know, one of the triple X movies or Fast and Furious I mean, Gerard films. Gerard Butler or Vin Diesel. <laughs> exactly. Um, Those are the movies where you have fun, you let loose a little bit, you indulge in their menu, but at the same time. Even some of the Marvel stuff. And like, yeah. I know, like, even for me who loves that stuff and, and, obviously wants to pay attention to it but like i feel like those big popcorn movies excuse me sorry um are some of the 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 stuff that i would potentially go see right um there although i would maybe choose imax over a draft house just because i feel like there's yeah you get less of the uh the food it stuff and then the screen's obviously way bigger and i feel like people who are going to IMAX on opening night are are the people who are very focused on wanting to see that movie and have the best experience. Right. Well, look part. at Fallout. Right. Mission yeah. Impossible Fallout. Like I would yeah. see that in an IMAX theater, a hundred percent before uh, Draft House. Even with IMAX footage or not, like yeah. or or mastered for IMAX, like uh, even Fantastic Beasts coming up, which isn't. It's coming out in IMAX, but there's no footage in IMAX or anything like that. But I feel like that I would still go choose like a Scotiabank IMAX over a Draft House. And then if I if if something like Lightbox would play first run films, like if they were able to, I would uh, go see everything at Lightbox even right. over Draft House. Um, even over the cost because it is a little more expensive. But but if you have a membership, it, it does help reduce that a bit. But like we were talking before, you're going to get proper masking. Uh, the sound is going to be great, and people there are respectful of the experience. Yeah, and like if I were to rank the other theaters that are in the GTA and comparatively to Draft House, like I, I still think Lightbox is the best experience you'll ever have in a movie theater, at least from my experience of anywhere I've gone. Um, and then I I really love Landmark Theaters in Whippy, yes. um, which I think do a great job. It's a renovated AMC theater, so all of the um, the masking is still working and in use. And um, they have amazing leather recliners uh, that are hella comfortable with tons of leg room. Like you can still get up and like I don't have to feel anxious about getting a center seat and having to go to the bathroom because you're not really going to bother anyone because yeah. there's enough room. Um I love um, the AVX theater at Young and Dundas because it's a properly 239 screen. Um, so if you're seeing anything in 239, it looks great on – we saw – most recently we saw A Star is Born there. Um, and I know that they use that screen for a lot of big – uh big films being released so if you i'm just these are personal if you live in this area these are the theaters i would suggest the imax theater at scotiabank is amazing the imax theater at cinesphere is fantastic although the seats aren't super comfortable right they'll probably renovate Um, again in the next few years when maybe they make some more income and and change the seats or maybe they won't because maybe they're keeping with the classic and they just put those in too man like i feel like they they want to maximize the amount of seats they can get in there and and stuff like that so because the seats are the one downfall of 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 that theater other than that i think the leg room's just not great and it's a historic theater too like it's the first imax theater so Mm -hmm. you know if, if you are coming like if, if anybody internationally listening or even in the u.s 
specifically comes to Toronto or Ontario and, and has first time. ever IMAX theater. Yeah, yeah you know, carve out a couple hours if there's something playing there, whatever it is, you know, give it a shot. I mean, they're going to be playing a lot of good stuff in in uh, the the winter with uh, the Alien movies in particular. Yeah, they're doing a really cool retrospective on like a bunch of 80s and uh, 70s and 80s and 90s movies, I think, and and even like they're playing. Um, Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049 uh, again, which I think would be awesome. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a great theater. What other theaters in the city? Um, well, you liked uh, what was the um, oh, it was like the Carlton Theater, but it was the the Rainbow Rainbow Cinemas. Cinemas I like. They yeah. have proper masking, masking still, yeah. but it's a very quaint old school kind of feeling. Like you know, like yeah. Carlton and things like that, where like they have the slanted um, floors it's not stadium seating right it's um a little quieter a little uh the sound's not great there so it's like a weird trade-off where um you either get proper sound or you get proper masking and but then cineplex a lot of the times you get neither <laughs> right the royals so. another great cinema as well that plays a lot yeah. of rep house stuff that also has proper masking and sound um i like hot docs but that's also a trade-off where, depending on where you sit, if you sit in the lower level, the sound isn't as good. But if you sit in the upper level, the um, seats, aren't, the as seats aren't as great. And even some of the the, the picture, like because you can see the new stadium that they or the the platform that they've put there that kind yeah. of cuts off some of the um, the screen. Yeah, so I mean, Draft House, I would welcome it. I think I would put it in my rotation of, of cinemas that I would regularly attend um, because they have first-run movies. Right. Like, um, I can't see everything at Lightbox, but um, more so now, I I would, like, if I could wait a little bit and see something at Lightbox or anytime we have a press screening there, I'm always like, yes, because it's a movie that, Even if it's not a good film. Yeah, even if it's not wink, a good film. Yeah, which we'll talk about next week, but... Um, even then, it, it improves the experience just seeing it there. Like, I, I can't say that enough that I, when studios screen things there instead of at um, anywhere else in the city, um, it always it makes me excited or makes me want to go out of my way to go see that movie, even if it's something that I don't necessarily care about, even though the thing we're going to talk about is something I did care about. But, right. Or um, if you're lucky like, enough to have a screening that's in one of the – that's at one of the studios like they have like an actual yeah. space like e1 has a really nice yeah, studio I, space uh, i yes um it's okay it's there's sound and projection it's very good. small i didn't find that it was i really? saw lala maybe it's improved i saw lala land there before tiff a couple of years ago same um was it before tiff no yeah it was yeah, before it was. tiff they screened it before tiff no i saw it at tiff didn't i no i saw it before tiff i forget um, but I saw. I like, saw it at at, at uh, E1. I did like, see it at E1, but yeah. maybe it was the second time I saw it. Maybe because yeah. they screened it a couple times. Yeah, before. it was after. It was after the festival, the normal press screening of it. Right. Because um, I well. saw it at the uh, uh, um, Princes of Wales. But I would take that over some of the theaters at Scotia Bank. Yeah, a hundred percent. Something like uh, we won't talk about Overlord right now, but like Cinema One is just not like I. It's a, a very large screen, but it's also a very large theater. And the problem I have is, like, not even just the masking or the sound or things like that. It's 
uh, in a lot of theaters, it's like sometimes they don't even think about how some of the lighting and I know it's emergency lighting and I know it's um, for stairs or something like that, but it reflects onto the screen. Did you notice this during Overlord in the bottom left and the bottom right corner? Because it's such a dark movie as well. Yes. That in any dark scene, you can see the light reflecting from either it's the stair lights. Yeah, yeah. Going up. Yeah. Or the exit lights, right? And it's and kind it's, of almost more like a, like a rectangle yeah. kind of shape that's kind of on projecting the on, on the, the corner. Yeah. And it, it makes it look terrible, yeah. especially when the movie's not properly masked. Because if the movie was properly masked, it probably would have would blacked that, that out, out because yeah. it would have been on the black masking. So, but it, that doesn't help when a movie's in 185, it's going to be in the, in the bottom corners of the screen. So it's just like stuff like that, that a lot of big theater chains just don't think about that. Like places like Lightbox and draft house do because they'll have someone come in who is a, a technician or, a uh, they optimize cinemas, whether it's someone at Dolby or, or whoever, but, um, it's just interesting. You can really tell when care is put into it and when it's just kind of, we need to get this up and who gives a shit. No one's going to pay attention, which right. most of the time people don't. But like, I just noticed it during overlord and one of our speakers were kind of blown and, and cause we were right next to it as uh, yeah. well because it was caught. It was creating this almost like Popping, this delayed like, echo as well, especially when there was either, um, people yelling or shouting, or the the score and it's the very sound hard mix to hear sometimes too. And was like, especially in the opening sequence of that movie. Yep, agreed. And I didn't know if it was intentional, and I'm sure it somewhat was. But if you saw that movie at a light box, um, I feel like the voices would still be very clear because that's the one thing I noticed about Lightbox. Their channels are perfect in the sense where they optimize them for voice and music and um, surround and. Uh, uh, I always notice the voices are so much more clear right. at Lightbox, and then they're not emphasizing them at all. It's just that they have them properly mixed. Where at Cineplex, it in some places it's just all jumbled together sometimes. Which um, is and this isn't necessarily you know saying that Cineplex is bad. It's just that you know for 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 film goers, for people that spend you know twenty to forty dollars. Uh, you know, to go to one movie or to two movies or, or buy concessions as well. Like, you want to have the best experience possible. And Cineplex is capable of having that be a great experience. That's what I mean. They just need to put a little Some more effort. effort in there. And I think that's why, like, when people talk about people going to the movies less and less, and I maybe it's subconsciously they're realizing the experience. Because, like, sure, me and you. And some of our like film friends are the people who notice this shit and speak up about it or complain about it. But we almost seem like we're the curmudgeon assholes that go out and talk to the 16-year-old that's working at Cineplex and goes, well, at least I'm that person all the time that goes, dude, like you got to like look at it. I get that you don't have proper masking, but the projection's not even proper. Like you're, it's not even hitting the the east and west side of the screen or the the... the the uh, horizontal sides of the screen and they're like what and then i have to explain i'm like can you talk to your projectionist and a lot of the time they don't even have a projectionist anymore it's just on an automated system right, right and they it's have, all digital yeah it's... so they have like a kid or one of the managers or, or, or is usually someone who has but you don't have those people who are specially trained now with the lenses and the i sound like such an like old curmudgeon like of like it's bad the experience is bad but if you're if you're um, paying that money to that's what i mean see the movie and you really want to so see now, the film when you get to the point where someone like me or you is fine 
just watching something at home because the experience is better. Than yeah. Going to the, well, because you're in control of it and yeah. you can't blame anybody else but t- yourself. I can optimize my TV and I know that there's not going to be proper masking, but I know the black levels are going to be amazing because I have a great 4K TV. So I'm barely going to notice it because it's a deep, deep black. So I'm only seeing the picture. The blacks I'm are like, blacks. The whites yeah. are whites. The sound is, is, is good. Is, is the, as good as yeah. you want it to be, right? Yeah. Like I know I have a sound bar. I don't have a Dolby Atmos system, but I'm okay with that. And it's properly mixed where I can hear the voice channel and the rest is like an imitation surround and so when you're getting to the point where i'm staying away from the movies for the most part unless i can see something in imax or in avx or or, have to forcibly talk about it on the podcast or go to landmark which actually has a pretty like i've noticed that their sound is slipping maybe they need to do some renovations with the actual kind of equipment they have there but then we worry about that they might build new screens that don't have masking in them yeah and um it's just an interesting time, and I think building. I think a draft house will eventually come here. Um, I think we will be one of the first places that they'll expand into. But we have weird rules, and I, maybe it's like this everywhere. But if you're within the, I think it is everywhere. That's why draft house had to build cinemas that are a little further south Manhattan or in Brooklyn. Right. So you because, think that they might end up in like the suburbs or something? Yeah. Or on that, like in Etobicoke or Mississauga, or even as far out as is uh, would be your Ajax or something. like Bowmanville? that. Bowmanville? No, not that far. Maybe. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. Um, because if you're within a vicinity of another theater, um, you have to compete with them, and you have to like bid for the films, and you can't be showing the same things. Right. Which is why a lot of if movies are cinemas are close together they're a second run theater or things like that so and cineplex um, for the most part does have a monopoly on yeah. you know they almost did but the government exhibition. stopped them from buying all the amc theaters and said you could only buy 60 percent of them or something right which is why landmark had to step in and buy some of them yeah there needs um, to be a, a a competitor because i think it's not going it's not going to threaten cineplex it's going to actually make cineplex maybe do better that's what i mean it's always good to have competition but i don't think there ever will be because i feel like cinemas will mostly die before that even happens i wish Uh, the lightbox or 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 tiff was was bigger had more funds so that they could sort of spread out more but i think the gta and have more than one location and we've talked about this time and time again where i do think we're either going back to an era where you'll have single screen theaters that play things for like where you'd find around like if you were at a cottage or something like that like the old old, with the big marquee that has one or two screens that oh like the fox yeah like the fox or they're building that's another great theater yeah the the fox Fox. is great and they're rebuilding the paradise on bloor which i'm yeah you sent me a text on that yeah i'm so excited about because they're going to do a mix of this sounds really cool so they put their marquee up the other day so i was was watching their instagram story so they have an old school marquee that they rebuilt the the original marquee that they had and they're going to have the big paradise sign that they used to have and it seems like they're putting a lot of care into it and, it, and from what I understand they're going to have a mix of first run films some older films and, and some other things and, and some live theater and stuff like that but they're kind of going the hot docs route where but not stay with me but like where the lower level not full service meals upstairs full service meals so I actually think that's really clever right. in the sense of like if you want full service, there is an area where you can go do that on the balcony. But then if you just want to come and watch the movie, it's not full service at the bottom. Okay. And then um, 
and it seems like they're doing some really cool renovations. It's going to be really totally uh, built from the ground up, and, and but they're using the original blueprints and, and, and things like that to try and rebuild this theater to what it once was. And I think that's where we're going, unless the only other thing I can see... I might be repeating myself. I might have said all of this stuff on the podcast. Before, I think it's good but, to stress because it um, feels like it's more uh, important it's getting to closer talk and about. Closer. Yeah. And like, or you're going to see um, what you've seen with AMC and with Draft House and with other places in the U.S. of, of taking the MoviePass model. And even though MoviePass hasn't really been succeeding, these theater chains that have a built-in uh, audience already and and they're able to kind of. Uh, take what MoviePass succeeded with and putting that into their own terms and their own uh, members and things like that. And, and that way it all stays in-house instead of a third party coming in and, and offering the service. So AMC launched their own service that was, I think, 15 bucks a month, with which you got a couple movies per month. And, and I think you... Because you're still with Cinemia too, right? Yes, uh, I haven't really used it all that much lately, but I am. But I, I do really believe that Cineplex will eventually, to try and save their business, launch right. a scene membership that includes uh, maybe it's three movies per month, maybe it's unlimited. Because they'll know. be also then competing at that point with the streaming services. That's more why so. I think they're going to do it. You'll you'll see the streaming service model leak over into cinemas, and that's what's going to save multiplexes right is because you see the popularity of netflix and even the popularity of movie pass it just wasn't sustainable and it's still alive but they've had to tweak it but i feel like once you you own the theaters and you own the the service i feel like you you have a model that could actually work right because you're going to make money off concessions you're going to make money off of other things and yeah even though you're giving the movie away for 10 or 15 or 20 bucks a month um so i really do feel like I originally thought it would all die and we would get those single theaters, but I really feel like you're going to soon see Netflix buy a theater chain, for one, um, and you're going to see other theater chains. I can see Disney buying uh, a theater chain yeah, or, or, but or creating a theater chain. I think they're not allowed to, I feel like. I feel like they tried to at one point, but right. because of like how big they're getting... That they it's can't, just too much. They can't also own a part of that market, although they own like one or two cinemas in Hollywood. Um, right? Could they? But, well, yeah. Could they create their? I mean, the, the El Capitan, right? Yes, they own the only El Capitan, but I think that's because it's only one or two theaters. But could that, they create their own theaters? Is what I'm saying, or do? Uh, I, I don't know if the. I think that's when the government steps in and goes, Ooh, "We," because like. You can't They're getting this. close enough to owning. We've seen their lineup for was it Chris Tapley who who, who oh, no it was no, David Poland who posted, uh, posted other than um, uh, Jungle Cruise which got moved to 2020. Yeah, um, their lineup is like a significant chunk of the movies next year. Yeah, well, <laughs> and it also looks like they're going to make probably like eight, like ten billion dollars. Yeah, their returns for next year will probably be enough to cover what they spent to buy, buy Fox. A hundred percent, and um. I think someone would step in and go because imagine Disney comes out and says we have our streaming service now and we're launching our own cinema chains and we're the exclusive chain to all of these movies. Like we're not going to give these movies to. I don't think that happens because they'd have to erect like a ton of theaters to try and even make those costs up. But and then you'd see the other chains going, well, fuck you, we're not even going to carry your movies anymore, right? right? Which is what the problems happening with Netflix and different things like that. So it's a fascinating time for cinemas in general, and I was I'm glad we went out and. Got to see another yeah. side of it, and all Alamo. this is ten times more interesting than the running time of Venom. 
Yeah, so I mean, let's quickly go over Venom to wrap this episode up. So uh, we'll we'll finish on our review of Venom. Uh, so we went to Draft House, had this pretty good experience, other than the movie we saw. Right. So I, to give, I mean, Venom's been out for a couple of weeks now. It's doing really great uh, business, actually. Surprisingly, um, yep. Uh, people seem to either um, hate it or ironically like it. Um, we are in the more so on the hate it side of things. So yeah, although I don't, I don't really passionately hate, hate no, it. I just do I. don't care. So I do think you want to give a synopsis of, of? Well, what I mean, it's it's basically about. so it's 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 one of Spider-Man's uh, most popular uh, foes from the '90s, and uh, Tom Hardy, who played Bane in The Dark Knight Rises, is playing Eddie Brock. Uh, this kind of New York uh, reporter who has been ostracized and sent to uh, San Francisco and has kind of his own little um, like hard copy esque show where he likes to expose the hypocrisy of big uh, government corporations and uh, undercover uh, missions and he kind of rubs people the wrong way. One of which is this scientist uh, megalomaniac character played by Riz Ahmed who's really just basically evil for the sake of being evil evil uh, Elon Musk yeah who likes to experiment on homeless people um, using the symbiotes that they brought back from Earth in the opening sequence which basically is an homage to the blob um, it's not and- an homage to the movie Life from 2017 Sure, why not? Uh, which everyone thought was going to be a Venom movie, which <laughs> sort of is, but like, I, anyway. Yeah, I guess. Uh, Calvin. It's still bad, but probably uh, better than this. And so Venom, the, the parasite Venom and uh, Tom Hardy's Eddie Brock uh, meet up in this uh, lab when he's trying to break in to expose uh, the corporation through the help of Jenny Slate, who has been mysteriously redubbed to pronounce symbiote as it should sound and so basically the two meet they 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 couplink they become one and he sort of is going through a very strange experience uh as uh he gets an upgrade like the movie upgrade uh he hears voices in his head he has new superpowers (laughs) and apparently he has a taste for human flesh and tater tots tater tots and and uh live lobsters and so that basically is Venom. It's a waste of an amazing cast, which also includes Michelle Williams wearing a very strange wig. Uh, as I mentioned, Den- Jenny Slate. Uh, Woody Harrelson appears in the post credit scene. It's not It's not really a spoiler, I don't think, because they did announce through the trades that he was in the movie. I feel like movie. for some people it would be, but I don't care, whatever. Uh, yeah, surprise. He's There's going to be carnage. <laughs> Literally, that's the line in the movie. Uh, Ruben Flesher, who directed the film, also did Zombieland. He's working on Zombieland 2. Um, the movie is pretty much um, a write-off. Even the final sequence where you have two CGI Venoms fighting each other, one of which is Riz Ahmed's riot uh, going head-to-head. And it feels like you know Sony wants maybe not this to be um, a part of the Spider-Man universe, although they kind of leave that open-ended when they mention you know him working in new york so i'm sure that if you know if they really wanted to they could put him in there somewhere at some point but they want to expand on uh spider-man's rogue gallery and this is the first of of many probably at least as long as they do well at the box office yeah no i'm with you i'm more indifferent than anything yeah i think it was just (laughs) like we just 
we watched it. I ate my chicken wings. I had my cold brew, and I was like, huh, okay. That was uh, not very good, but also not bad enough to either, even laugh at or not Well, there were some things that like... Venom does say, like the when, when Tom Hardy is the voice of Venom where he's talking back to him and, and calls him names and stuff like that are funny, but they're more, again, ironically – humorous or it's like i can't believe this is the kind of level of juvenile laughter we're going to to to, to get people some to people react brought up a it. point that venom was like that in the 90s but to that point of being like yes this feels like it's something out of the late 90s or early 2000s. it might be a spawn and a little like, bit yeah, and, um and yeah I, was, I just sat there and like it's just kind of dull and and weird and tom hardy's performance is very strange and he is probably the best thing because at least that performance is interesting and he's doing things that you're kind of just going what is he doing (laughs) right exactly but at least that's memorable where everything else is just so borderline uh cliched and we've seen it it does feel like a comic book movie from the early 2000s or the late 90s and like it's again Spoiler: A hero against a villain who is basically well, the anti-hero. Same yeah, sorry, anti-hero uh, against a anti-villain that um, is basically the. Ex- it's just a ven- another venom. Yeah, <laughs> like and it needed to be R-rated. Like there, there yeah, are scenes where they they show right? the character about to devour the heads of Riz Ahmed's henchmen and 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 yeah. uh, bank robbers and stuff like that, and then they cut away, and it's such a cop out, and it needed to embrace that r rating especially if they're going to have carnage in the second one they need to go r yeah i mean i don't know what's going to happen um with that but i don't know to to try to say something positive um i liked the look of venom right um I matthew libatique is a cinematographer yeah and he does a fine job like it doesn't it's sort of just a a job yeah but like it's nothing there's nothing memorable in the movie when it comes to the look of it or anything like that but um like i'd even say his stuff his work in iron man and and stuff is a little bit more um well that was also shot on film as well and it looks a little nicer where this is you know completely digital um i'm i feel bad like again like i think the person who deserves the most credit for this movie is the casting uh, director that convinced all these people to do it. Yeah, because I love all these people in it, and they're just completely disposable. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. Other than missing the big white kind of spider, which obviously wouldn't make sense because this has nothing to do with Spider Man. Um, I did think they did a pretty good job of how Venom looked and sounded. Well, it's um, better than the um, Spider-Man 3. Yes, 100%. And they actually make him big and hulking. And, and I like the look of his, the way his his mouth and face looks. And, and it did really, it was a pretty authentic um, looking Venom of how I would expect it to look in a, in a modern superhero movie. But I just kept going back to, they could have done a cool job in the MCU of having Venom as a main Spider-Man villain and doing the whole black suit kind of storyline and and doing it properly because no offense to Sam Raimi, who's a great director, and I just rewatched all of those movies. He obviously didn't want Venom to be in Spider-Man 3, and he's gone on record to say that. Yeah, and he didn't really know that character because that was after his time with Spider-Man. So I feel like if you would have given it um, to the right people, you could have done a cool job at um, having him as a villain and then maybe spinning off to do an anti-hero movie if, if it was successful, which it obviously probably would have been. Right. Um, 
if you really want to do the carnage thing and, and stuff like that but you could have included spider-man in that and i just feel like it's such a waste and i hate that it's doing okay just because i feel like that like i know well, you how... slap marvel on it and people will go <laughs> that's true know? um that is very true. Where, like, if you slapped that on Upgrade, I wonder how that would do and, like, how people would compare the two. Because I, I feel like even though Upgrade became kind of a, a breakout cult film of the late spring, early summer, there's still a lot of people that didn't see that movie. But if they 100%. did... It's and, the better version of this movie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, um... So, I don't know. I'm more kind of, uh indifferent on it um i just i just don't forget about it and don't care i hope they don't make another one i hope they just include venom in the mcu and um i that's my my thoughts really like i just um here's the question i want to propose to you is it better or worse than spider-man 3 Oh, good question. Um, Spider-Man 3, I think, is more memorable. Yeah, I mean, it's goofier. Because it's so bad. Right. <laughs> but I like I, cu- I couldn't decide of like if I was more offended right. because I wa- Spider-Man 3 had the potential to be good or if I was more upset that Venom was just pointless and that I wasted an hour and a half. Right. I mean, it's a good question, but did you really expect anything out of Venom? No, I didn't. So then... Am I more mad that Spider-Man 3 was disappointing? So does that make it right. worse? Or... But Spider-Man 3 has the added caveat or or, or, or retrofitting uh, uh, and ruining Spider-Man 2 a little bit as well. Right. And the first one, or just the, the, the mythology of Uncle Ben. So that's why I think Spider-Man 3 is slightly worse than right. Venom. Well, because you cared more about it yeah. going in, where Venom, it's just like, okay, well, I, I'm not really expecting... <laughs> anything at all yeah yeah yeah. it was uh not so great although we enjoyed our uh draft house experience for the for the most part yeah don't really have much more to say about that um quickly let's we i mean the other big thing we did on the new york trip um was we went to the new york film festival so um we kind of explored the city the other stuff that we did oh my god we got some sushi on that night sugarfish Um, sugarfish in new york city um i've read that it's a little controversial because it's not your traditional sushi restaurant it's a little bit more americanized or californian uh, than than what some people probably enjoy but fuck that I I had one of the best sushi meals I've ever had. One of the best meals I've ever had. They for, made for sashimi taste yeah. great. And yeah. I, that's the one type of sushi where I'm kind of always iffy on because it just doesn't really have a lot of taste to it. It's it's its texture is very just kind of moist, watery. It doesn't yeah. really have any flavor. You always need to actually bring in the rice and, and whatever uh, sauces you're using. But they made this work. And yeah. it was beautiful the way that it was timed out. Mm-hmm. Um, you went to the bathroom at one point and saw that they had two different types they had of a uh, pre-meal soap. pre-sushi soap and a post-sushi soap because they didn't want your your um they had it unscented for before the meal that way the scents wouldn't mess with your palate as you're eating the sushi and then they have a post-scented um uh soap that cleans your hands it was uh, and then yeah to explain the meal basically we were looking for a good sushi restaurant in new york and i realized when you put in best sushi new york not a great idea because all the sushi is going to cost you uh, a lot of money. So right. I put best moderately priced sushi in New York. And there were a couple different places. Um, 
But Sugarfish stood out. Um, it had a reasonably priced menu, and it was down in uh, Union Square, um, right? Yeah, Union Square yeah, area. where we saw Darren Aronofsky um, Yeah, the we'll next get to day. that story, too. And then, uh, God, we have so much to talk about. Um, I forgot how we haven't done this in a while. Um, and so we go down there, and uh, it was an hour and a half wait. So we were like, fuck, it must be good, because the on a Monday night, I get it was a holiday, but the, yeah. you'd think that um, it wouldn't be that bad. But luckily, we weren't super hungry. We wanted something a bit lighter, so we were fine with waiting an hour and a half, and we explored kind of uh, the area and walked to a bunch of different places, went into a Best Buy. Almost and, bought Evil Dead uh, on 4K yeah, that but, night, but it was denied because yeah, it was out early on yeah, the rack. Which is, shouldn't be your problem, but no. whatever. Um, so th- And then that caused us a whole shitstorm the next day. But um, So then we waited the hour and a half. We were sat down for this meal, and it, basically um, you can get the Trust Us meals, which is basically... Basically, uh, they're kind of omakase, kind of like the chef will just, it's like a court, like a seven or eight course meal of where they bring you out uh, each dish at a time or each piece of sushi at a time. And um, they started you off with some edamame, which was actually quite good. It was more of a chilled edamame. Uh, yeah, there wasn't really any salt or preservatives added no, it was on good. to it. It was very uh, basic, but very, very good. And then, yeah, that, that sashimi they brought out, which was a tuna sashimi and this uh, delicious kind of sauce, which actually I'm with you where sashimi usually is just mushy and flavorless to me. You put a little bit of soy sauce on it, but like and some wasabi, but like I'm usually not the biggest fan because I'm, I'm very much a man of texture. Right. And I don't like mushy things like I hate bananas and I hate. Uh, I used to hate gelatinous. Yeah, like puddings and stuff like that. Or like uh, I don't like a lot of cakes because. What about mashed potatoes? Mashed potatoes, I'm fine because I just love potatoes, and you can put different things like with them. But like, um, uh, when it comes to texture, I'm a I'm a man of texture. So sashimi usually uh, threw me off, but this first dish was uh, amazing. Then they brought you out some tuna and some salmon with different sauces on them and different seasonings. So like. Uh, some of them would have like a sea salt and lemon and some of them would have like this nice um, sauce the chef would prepare and they told you don't dip any of the sushi in soy sauce. Yeah, you if have it, it has, as is. At, if it has a sauce right. on it. If yeah. it doesn't, you're welcome. But they to give you it. directions. Yeah, and, and they let you know all of this and, and we got a decent amount of food. Like We did. and We, we had like, um, it was four, six pieces of nigiri. There was some sashimi. Uh, we had like the regular version of it. There was like yeah. a, a, a like a, basically a small, medium, large, and extra large version of this meal that you could get, and we got the medium, like the regular, and um, like uh, we had some like white fish and some yellowtail, I think, and some tuna and some salmon, and each. And the the way that they cooked the rice, it was just like melt in your mouth and kind of. It was almost buttery. Um, yeah, and like the fish was also very buttery and melt in your mouth, and none of it was chewy or, and um, it was like one of the best meals I've had in a very very long time. And we were joking that it kind of ruined um, sushi, sushi, but it kind of has. I haven't had any since. Ruined in a good way. Neither yeah. have I. I and I've I'm been afraid, sick, and so. I'm, but I've been afraid to. Because I just don't think it can live like nothing yeah, can live up to, to that quality. You need to distance yourself from that experience. Yeah, so that way you forget how uh, great sushi is supposed to taste. And, right. Um, I uh, I absolutely loved that meal. Um, it's an excellent restaurant if you're in New York. Sugarfish. You'll probably have to wait, but. Um, the other great thing is that it's like the menu is priced as is. They say, please do not tip us. It, this, it's it's, added it, it's into included the... into the price. 
um, and they literally don't let you write a tip if you're paying by card. Like it says, no, everything's included. I got a nice Sapporo beer and this meal, and it was like thirty nine dollars American for yeah. the the trust us uh, uh, omakase style um, menu. Worth every got. dollar, and it feels like it's a meal that should be worth two or three times more than that yeah that's what i thought too and there are larger versions that you can pay more and get better sushi or different sushi and um i think next time i would maybe do the step up just because i enjoyed it so much just to be like see what that would be like and um and you get a little bit more and we got a couple hand rolls that tuna hand roll was was so good and the crab i'm not even a huge fan of crab which was probably my least favorite thing that we had right but it was still good they they refined it in such a way that made it taste almost you know like it was very light yeah and again like it almost had like an aromatic kind of quality to it that really worked um and and it had like a freshness um, that I hadn't really tasted with crab because crab's the one thing that really does have like a distinct, almost like can taste. I feel like out of any kind of fish. a lot of times you're used to having imitation crab. Yeah, exactly. Which I think this was probably fresh crab. I'm, yes, I, I'm, I'm guessing. But it was almost kind of refined to a paste. Yeah, yeah. See, that's when you know crab is kind of real because usually it, it's the stuff that they would make in a a crab cake or a yeah a crab mixture but like imitation crabs that kind of stringy kind of fake crab stuff yeah. that like even the wasabi uh, and the ginger and you know the like it was just it was just such a perfectly balanced meal beautifully uh beautiful to look at like just looking at the food how it's prepared and yeah. and sent to you is is amazing but yeah like i i think it was one of the best dining experiences i've ever had yep so that was excellent. And that was only day one. And then... Um, it all went downhill from there, yeah, baby. Yeah, I mean, we can uh, explain, like, uh, we explored a bit more of the different areas. We did, we did quite see, a bit. We, we walked a ton that other that next day, and um, uh, we saw Darren Aronofsky, which was weird. On and, a scooter with a scarf. Which we tweeted out, so if, those who follow us would probably already know. But um, it was just, in that giant city, it was just very weird for two film fans, and... Um, to be walking down it by Union Square and see Darren Aronofsky on a scooter with his scarf and and um, I I didn't see who he was with but it was um it was just very funny and a weird surreal thing and now two out of the three times I've gone to New York I've seen Darren Aronofsky I mean one was at a screening of Noah right a test screening of Noah and he was in a sweet Adidas tracksuit. Um, and then scarfless uh, or scar- with dude, the scarf? he might have had the scarf with the track oh, god i hope so um so i saw him at the test screening of noah and we always see him and, at tiff too yeah he's he we always see him at press screenings and stuff at tiff because uh, he actually goes to a lot of films uh, when he's here um so that was weird we went to some best buys to get grab you your your fucking blu-rays that we need yeah, shout find. out to nigel uh <laughs> for finding my uh, evil dead 4k that you lost the day before yeah. somehow um you got some blu-rays we explored uh soho and, and tribeca uh, world trade center yeah. and and uh, did a lot of lower Manhattan. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see a lot of upper Manhattan because of uh, what happened that evening and the next day. But even so, even if that that like if we had 
that didn't happen, I still think we wouldn't have covered it all anyway. Oh, no, it's impossible to see everything. But we covered a good portion of that lower half in yeah. Brooklyn. Like, I think if you ever go back, yeah, you see the you, you would see Central Park and you would go see uh, upper uh, the Upper East Side and the Upper West Side as well as Harlem or something like that. But, like, we did uh, the majority of lower Manhattan and Brooklyn. And um, we did see uh, a bit more of Midtown and a bit into the Upper east side when we went to the lincoln center for the new york film festival so we did go see the ballad of buster scruggs uh which we'll briefly go over now because we're we're already long on yeah. time a little bit but which we saw um, the Al, uh, alice tully hall right alice tully hall at the lincoln center um which was the tuesday night so we um we made it to the the cinema um uh, it's a beautiful theater. That I like how they let you into the lounge area and the restaurant beforehand to kind of hang out. Until right. They let it's kind of like the a theater. weird combination of the Lightbox and the Ryerson Theater. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And um, so we hung out. We got um, uh, some waters and, and I got I – I I ate something because I needed something in my stomach, some chips or something. Yeah, like I had that. gummy bears because you told um, me it was the kind that gives you diarrhea. Yeah, did it? No. Oh, no. Okay. Haribo or whatever. Like, yeah. uh, or, or it bungs you up. I don't know which one. Um, <laughs> you tell me. But uh, so we waited around. We bumped into our friend Matt Hoffman who's living in New York who is a fellow film critic. And um, so shout out to Matt and um, chatted with him um for a bit and talked about his new york film festival experience and how our experience at tiff was because he was only able to catch a couple things at tiff yeah he was at the Uh, tail end of the festival i remember seeing him outside of uh green book right and then um so we bumped into matt and then we uh, went into the theater and watched uh the ballad of buster scruggs so quickly new york film festival thoughts and then we'll go into uh, i mean it was so brief uh, that i wouldn't want to like but I mean of the theater, of, of the Alice theater, Tully the theater, Hall. And, um, um, the picture is great. The masking is fantastic. The I had problems with the audio. The audio or at least where we were sitting. We were sitting in a balcony. A little echoey. So, yeah, so you kind of could hear feedback. And you brought up a good point of that. It felt like it was um, almost Tiff Bell Lightbox one size, but then felt like the Ryerson a little bit. Yeah. And um, um, I feel like their presentation overall – uh, I mean, yeah, we're TIFF fanboys, but I feel like TIFF does a really great job at the presentation and the experience of each film. and, and Even their the pre-show. Pre-shows. And, and their and introduction. Yeah, and maybe you get sick of them by the 30th film that you've seen, but I, I don't know. I feel like they, they really go out at TIFF to, to make sure every screening feels special. I didn't quite get that here. Right. It was the second screening or third maybe. Yeah, and the tail end of the festival. So maybe they were running on empty at that point. And it was just kind of like. I mean, there was still like almost a week left. Like it it was only the beginning of the second week really? but i see it felt like it was the that, t- it felt like it was dying out but, like at well, that I mean, even tiff kind of does right on the yeah. tuesday so maybe it's the same kind of thing but um or maybe theirs is a bit longer maybe theirs is three weeks but um i did feel like it was like okay here's the screening and like yeah. it, it's 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 fun and then um although it was kind of cohen brother-esque in a weird way the the intro even yeah so then we saw Ballad of Buster Scruggs. So um, for those of you that don't know, this is uh, directed by Joel and Ethan Cohen. Um, it is was originally uh, conceived as a uh, anthology series on Netflix, yeah. um, kind of all tied together with this uh, singing cowboy named Buster Scruggs. Wonderfully played um, by uh, Tim Blake Nelson. Yes. 
And uh, uh, so the history of it is that um, they were making it as a series, and then um, it was recently announced only, I think, late August, early September, that um, they've changed their mind, and it was now an anthology film, where it would be a chapter-based uh, uh, film with a different yeah, stories. Yeah, six, there's six stories in total, yeah. and, and uh, the titular Buster Scruggs is a musical comedy that's also ultra violent and kind of disturbing but it does it in a kind of tongue-in-cheek way that only the coen brothers could get away with like it feels like you are watching you know a looney tunes special come to life like i feel like they would do an amazing live action coyote and roadrunner movie (laughs) yeah if it was horrifically violent um and and it's shocking too like you're you're not expecting it to be that that violent and i mean like you know that the coen brothers can get violent but then it like gets to some dark territories which after that where it starts off very kind of fun but violent and and dark but then it kind of gets more and more depressing as it goes along with each it's more it's still dark humor and kind of morbid at times but it is also very bleak um and it makes you aware that you know living in the in the west in the in the 1800s was not a was not a fun time um and i think some of the stories are better than others i think the the first story is great it's bookended by two really great yeah the the stagecoach um uh final chapter is excellent as well where it's kind of a, a story about mortality where these two bounty hunters kind of Again, they're very cheerful, one of which is played by Brendan Gleeson and, and upbeat, but they kind of talk in very uh, dark, uh, almost Edgar Allan Poe-esque ways. Like it's shot in a kind of very stylistic black. It almost feels like they're on a trip going to Hades or something like that. It did feel like something like that, um, right? Like and at the gates of... Uh, gates of hell, yeah, yeah, like for Final Judgment. Again, you know, go back to something like uh, Bad Times at uh, El mm-hmm. Royale. And then the other one I actually really liked, because it also reminded me of Meek's Cutoff, because Zoe Kazan is in both is the girl who got rattled and sort of where that storyline goes mm-hmm. and and again like each one of these stories and I like Tom Waits uh, as the prospector um, but each one of these stories becomes less comedic and more subversive and unsettling and depressing and, and you just feel like this was a time where you know nothing good ever happened it's almost like it's it's almost like a western noir yeah, you know, a revisionist western noir from the Coen Brothers, and I think it does work better as a film. Although, I mean, there are a couple stories like the first and the last one that I could have watched more. watched more of. Yeah, and you could tell that each one was supposed to probably be a longer episode, right. but. Um... I mean, for the most part, I think it works. I I think I agree with you that some are better than others, but I pretty much enjoyed all of them. Um, I started to, this is when the story turns, I started to feel very ill in the second half of the movie. Um, I was starting to feel kind of crummy as we got back from our long walk that day. And um, by the midpoint of the Zoe Kazan story, which is about halfway through the film, um, I guess the I started to get story? chills and a fever and um, and felt very sick um, and needed to go get some more water and uh, take a break from the theater. And I was when I left the theater and theaters can get cold anyway, but I'm usually OK. Um, I was li- visibly shaking in my seat from the chills I was getting because um, uh, I was so cold. So the latter half of the movie. I think I need to rewatch whether I watch that at home um, when it comes out on Netflix or if it gets released here 
uh, in cinemas. Um, I'm not sure if it'll be at Lightbox yet, but they seem to have a uh, uh, kind of rapport with Netflix lately of releasing their um, their first run stuff. Um, we should also mention that Bruno Delbanel is the cinematographer, same one that they worked with for Inside Lewin Davis. He's gorgeous. And, and, the movie and it's is, their first movie that's completely shot digitally. Yeah, and it, the movie looks great. And um, I really was caught off guard with the opening, um, and I really loved it. And um, I felt like, yeah, I, I liked I, – I, I brought this up to you too, and I know other people have used this comparison, but um, – and I know it's not completely accurate, but it did feel like a Western Twilight Zone kind of thing. Right. Although it might, you you brought up the point of that it doesn't necessarily have a message like a lot of the Twilight Zone stories. Yeah, have, it's but. not necessarily an allegory to something more meaningful or bigger, other than it's just saying again, Dep- or a Black Mirror where everything's kind of just fucking depressing after each episode, but it's still these twisted kind of like. Uh, these twisted tales, yeah. right? Like these... And there's no rhyme or reason for the way that people behave other than it's just, you know, how they act. Like the then. Liam Neeson one is very dark and... Um, and sad. And sad and... Um... But they're they're all quite good and very different. Like each story feels like it's its own. Well, you know thing who and, played that kid? And, that he's, yeah, you that mentioned he, uh, it. Um, uh, the Dursley. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. From Harry Potter. Um, but yeah, man, I, I think I mostly enjoyed it. I got to give it another watch, um, when it comes out on Netflix, but I definitely think if you're a Coen Brothers fan, you should enjoy it. It's got that weird mix of a very black, dark humor with, um, some shocking moments and, and great storytelling and, and great performances. Right. And, and it's a movie that um, I think the, like many of the Coen Brothers films is needed to be watched more than once to really appreciate and get everything out of it because like all of i feel like most of their films are like paintings where every time you go back to it you always find something new to appreciate i just rewatched big lebowski and every time i rewatch that movie i always i always love it and i find something new to love about it and it never gets old and the coens they always seem to just appreciate with age, with the exception of maybe Lady Killers and uh, Intolerable Cruelty. <laughs> I like that thing that was going around online where people were listing all of their favorite Coen brothers in emojis, and then the last one on everyone's list was just Lady Killers. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't even bother. That's but... probably their one misstep, because I remember after that they took time off, and then, I remember they, watching they, then they came college. back with No Country yeah, for Old Men. I know. Because, um, and was Burn After Reading right after After No that? Country? Yeah, yeah, it was 2008. Yeah. And, and then uh, Serious Man was 2009. Yeah, I remember uh, watching Lady Killers um, in college, and yikes! Um, yeah, it's no, not good. Not good. It's just a weird misstep. But this is this is not a misstep. This is excellent. Um, I really thought it was uh, uh, an interesting kind of um, uh, rework. I would have been very curious to see how the series would have panned out too. But um, I think this is it, it's the framing devices is. is is clever with the book and um I, I i really kind of enjoyed it as this like tales from this from the west kind of kind of thing and um i enjoyed it yeah you're now about to enter the western zone yeah exactly uh and then the wrap up our trip uh i fucked up and i just got really sick well it's not your fault that i know just, but i felt happens, really bad man. so that whole night was awful for me with the chills and re- having to get all these remedies and and the next day i really kind of like broke down in the morning and i was like dude i need to get the fuck home and we almost bought plane tickets to try and get back earlier and we even looked into uh, train tickets but they yeah. only go twice a day yeah so i was really like it was one of the worst kind of flus that i've gotten in a long time 
time where I was like getting the chills and the shakes and having a, a really bad fever and just um, my throat hurt and and just the thought of having to sit on an 11 hour bus overnight was just uh, making me have a breakdown and and eventually we we moved up our bus to um seven an earlier bus and 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 you were nice enough thank you to just kind of um chill that day i i I ruined the last day but no no not at all i i felt exactly the same way when i was in san francisco earlier this year so i i know where you were coming from i mean you i mean we we had a little bit of time in the morning i mean they only extended to 12 30 but i remember like just looking at you in the starbucks or in the hotel lobby oh, dude i was and, fucked man and you just looked like you were in agony and it then also so having to spend time in that line for the greyhound uh uh to yeah i was tickets. you know what i got i actually oh that was bad returning yeah. the tickets was bad and i was fucking miserable and i want to yeah anyways I won't well the get people in there were miserable they were miserable and just made me miserable and then sitting in that starbucks i was so tired and sitting in our hotel lobby for like the longest time i was just so bad and then eventually i started to uh i started to feel better when we got to the bus stop and we got a dunkin donuts coffee and like i started good. To, started to feel like myself a little bit more um but then the the bus ride was still pretty miserable but we made it home and and you had a long day when we got back and i just i slept for like three days straight oh yeah i remember so i got back and i went home what did I do after that? You had to write a review, didn't you? I had, yeah, no, 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 no. I, 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 I had to record voiceovers oh, right. for First Man, The Hate You Give, and I think it was Bad Times at the L. Which you all wrote kind of right before we yeah, left, or while then, we were. And then did those, um, was getting next week ready, came back to Toronto afterwards because I had to go see <laughs> Instant Family, which I'm embargoed on. But um, So, it was a, it, yeah, it was a long day that day. It's crazy, but it was a fun trip, man. So, um, uh, thank you for doing that with me. And uh, no, no problem. Thank you for I, for arranging all of this. It's fun. I hope we get to do more festivals other than TIFF, like we're um, that we'll talk about in the future. And I think it could be a blast because, uh, and hopefully, I don't get fucking deathly ill. But right. we made it home, and I'm I'm. It took me a week or so to recover, and I, as you can tell, like I'm able to talk and I feel good, but right. like my voice is still a little. You can bit still off hear can, the phlegm. You can still, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Um, hopefully. Uh, I'll be a hundred percent very very. Soon. It's it's just also a good reminder that you know flu season's coming up <laughs> and that you should probably get your shots if. You, Thanks, Dad. Yeah, go to Shoppers Drug Mart or, or something if you're, if you're in, in Canada. Canada. Yeah, if not, just inject. Uh, yeah, and if you're in the U.S., remember to vote on November six. Yes, please do. All right, that wraps up our big uh, New York spectacular. Uh, we'll be back next week with reviews of Suspiria and Overlord. Um, as well as uh, some other uh, Halloween stuff. So thank you all for listening. Uh, I'm glad to be back, Eric. Uh, We'll talk more uh, next week. Um, Thank you guys all for listening. As always, this has been the eighth draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. If you guys could do us a huge favor, go on Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Spotify. I don't know if there's like a – you can leave ratings or reviews. I'm sure you can. If you can comment, leave ratings, leave reviews, subscribe, that would – pass this along to your friends. That would uh, help us. We've had great support over the first kind of month or two of this podcast, and we we love it, and uh, we'd love to continue doing it. So thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week. 
week. As always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can find more of my work at untitledmoviepodcast.com and places all over the place. And I'm here with uh, Eric Marchant. And, and and like Matt said, you can find uh, us every week, uh, every Monday usually. Uh, and also uh, you can find my uh, video reviews on rogerstv.com slash cinemascene. Uh, thank you very much, everybody, for, for listening and indulging in our, uh, our retrospective of our New York trip. And we'll be back with Suspiria and Overlord next week. See you guys.